Chapter Thirty of Treasure Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Chapter Thirty, on parole. I was wakened. Indeed, we were all wakened, for I could see even the sentinel shake himself together from where he had fallen against the doorpost, by a clear, hearty voice hailing us from the margin of the wood. "'Blockhouse, ahoy!' it cried. "'Here's the doctor.' And the doctor it was. Although I was glad to hear the sound, yet my gladness was not without admixture. I remembered with confusion my insubordinate and stealthy conduct, and when I saw where it had brought me, among what companions, and surrounded by what dangers, I felt ashamed to look him in the face. He must have risen in the dark, for the day had hardly come, and when I ran to a loophole and looked out, I saw him standing, like silver once before, up to the mid-leg in a creeping vapor. "'You, doctor, top of the morning to you, sir,' cried Silver, broad awake and beaming with good nature in a moment. "'Bright and early, to be sure, and it's the early bird, as the saying goes, that gets the rations. George, shake up your timbers, son, and help Dr. Livesey over the ship's side.' all a-doin well your patience was all well and merry so he pattered on standing on the hilltop with his crutch under his elbow and one hand upon the side of the log-house quite the old john in voice manner and expression we've quite a surprise for you too sir he continued we've a little stranger here he he a new boarder and lodger sir and lookin fit and taut as a fiddle slept like a supercargo he did right alongside of john stem to stem we was all night dr livesey was by this time across the stockade and pretty near the cook and i could see the alteration in his voice as he said not jim the very same jim as ever was says silver the doctor stopped outright although he did not speak and it was some seconds before he seemed able to move on well well he said at last duty first and pleasure afterwards as you might have said yourself silver let us overhaul these patients of yours. A moment afterwards he had entered the blockhouse, and with one grim nod to me proceeded with his work among the sick. He seemed under no apprehension, though he must have known that his life among these treacherous demons depended on a hare, and he rattled on to his patients as if he were paying an ordinary professional visit in a quiet English family. His manner, I suppose, reacted on the men, for they behaved to him as if nothing had occurred, as if he were still ship's doctor, and they still faithful hands before the mast. "'You're doing well, my friend,' he said to the fellow with the bandaged head. "'And if ever any person had a close shave, it was you. Your head must be as hard as iron. Well, George, how goes it? You're a pretty color, certainly. Why, your liver, man, is upside down. Did you take that medicine? Did he take that medicine, men?' "'Aye, aye, sir, he took it, sure enough,' returned Morgan. "'Because, you see, since I am mutineer's doctor, or prison doctor, as I prefer to call it,' says Dr. Livesey in his pleasantest way, "'I make it a point of honour not to lose a man for King George, God bless him, and the gallows.' The rogues looked at each other, but swallowed the home thrust in silence. "'Dick don't feel well, sir,' said one. "'Don't he?' replied the doctor. "'Well, step up here, Dick, and let me see your tongue.' No, I should be surprised if he did. The man's tongue is fit to frighten the French. Another fever. Ah, there, said Morgan. 
that kind of spilling Bible. That comes, as you call it, of being errant asses, retorted the doctor, and not having sense enough to know honest air from poison, and the dry land from a vile, pestiferous sloth. I think it most probable, though of course it's only an opinion, that you'll all have a deuce to pay before you get that malaria out of your systems. Camp in a bog, would you? Silver, I'm surprised at you. You're less of a fool than many, take you all round, but you don't appear to me to have the rudiments of a notion of the rules of health. Well, he added, after he had dosed them round, and they had taken his prescriptions, with really laughable humility, more like charity school-children than blood-guilty mutineers and pirates. Well, that's done for to-day. And now I should wish to have a talk with that boy, please. And he nodded his head in my direction carelessly. George Mary was at the door, spitting and spluttering over some bad-tasting medicine, but at the first word of the doctor's proposal he swung round with a deep flush and cried, No! and swore. Silver struck the barrel with his open hand. Silence! he roared, and looked about him positively like a lion. Doctor! he went on in his usual tones. I was a-thinking of that knowing as how you had a fancy for the boy. We're all humbly grateful for your kindness, and, as you see, puts faith in you, and takes the drugs down like that much grog. And I take it I found a way as'll suit all. Hawkins, will you give me your word of honor as a young gentleman, for a young gentleman you are, although poor-born, your word of honor not to slip your cable? I readily gave the pledge required. Then, doctor, said Silver, you just step outside of that stockade, and once you're there, I'll bring the boy down on the inside, and I reckon you can yarn through the spars. Good day to you, sir, and all our duties to the squire and Captain Smollett. The explosion of disapproval, which nothing but Silver's black looks had restrained, broke out immediately the doctor had left the house. Silver was roundly accused of playing double, of trying to make a separate peace for himself, of sacrificing the interests of his accomplices and victims and, in one word, of the identical exact thing that he was doing. It seemed to me so obvious in this case that I could not imagine how he was to turn their anger. But he was twice the man the rest were, and his last night's victory had given him a huge preponderance on their minds. He called them all fools and dolts, and you can imagine, said it was necessary I should talk to the doctor, fluttered the chart in their faces, asked them if they could afford to break the treaty the very day they were bound treasure-hunting. "'No, by thunder!' he cried. It's us must break the treaty when the time comes, and till then I'll gammon that doctor, if I have to isle his boots with brandy. And then he bade them get the fire lit, and stalked out upon his crutch, with his hand on my shoulder, leaving them in a disarray, and silenced by his volubility rather than convinced. Slow, lad, slow, he said. They might round upon us in a twinkle of an eye if we was seen to hurry. Very deliberately, then, did we advance across the sand to where the doctor awaited us on the other side of the stockade, and as soon as we were within easy speaking distance, Silver stopped. "'You'll make a note of this here also, doctor,' says he. "'And the boy'll tell you how I saved his life, and were deposed for it, too, and you may lay to that. Doctor, would a man steerin' as near the wind as me, playin' chuck farthing with the last breath in his body-like, you wouldn't think it too much, mayhap, to give him one good word. You'll please bear in mind, it's not my life only now. It's that boy's into the bargain. And you'll speak me fair, doctor, and give me a bit of hope to go on, for the sake of mercy. 
silver was a changed man once he was out there and had his back to his friends and the blockhouse his cheeks seemed to have fallen in his voice trembled never was a soul more dead in earnest why john you're not afraid asked dr libsey doctor i'm no coward no not i not so much and he snapped his fingers if i was i wouldn't say it but i'll own up fairly i've the shakes upon me for the gallows you're a good man and a true i never seen a better man but you'll not forget what i done good not any more than you'll forget the bad i know and i step aside see here and leave you and jim alone and you'll put that down for me too for it's a long stretch is that so saying he stepped back a little way till he was out of earshot and there sat down upon a tree stump and began to whistle spinning round now and again upon his seat so as to command a sight sometimes of me and the doctor and sometimes of his unruly ruffians as they went to and fro in the sand between the fire which they were busy rekindling and the house from which they had brought forth pork and bread to make the breakfast so jim said the doctor sadly here you are as you have brewed so shall you drink my boy heaven knows i cannot find it in my heart to blame you but this much i will say be it kind or unkind when captain smollett was well you dared not have gone off and when he was ill and couldn't help it by george it was downright cowardly i will own that here i began to weep doctor i said you might spare me i have blamed myself enough my life's forfeit anyway and i should have been dead by now if silver hadn't stood for me and doctor believe this i can die and i dare say i deserve it but what i fear is torture if they come to torture me jim the doctor interrupted and his voice was quite changed jim i can't have this whip over and we'll run for it doctor said i i passed my word i know i know he cried we can't help that jim now i'll take it on my shoulders holus bolus blame and shame my boy but stay here i cannot let you jump one jump and you're out and we'll run for it like antelopes no i replied you know right well you wouldn't do the thing yourself neither you nor squire nor captain and no more will i silver trusted me i passed my word and back i go but doctor you did not let me finish if they come to torture me i might let slip a word of where the ship is for i got the ship part by luck and part by risking and she lies in north inlet on the southern beach and just below high water at half tide she must be high and dry the ship exclaimed the doctor rapidly i described to him my adventures and he heard me out in silence there is a kind of fate in this he observed when i had done every step it's you that saves our lives and do you suppose by any chance that we are going to let you lose yours that would be a poor return my boy you found out the plot you found ben gunn the best deed that you ever did or will do though you live to ninety oh and by jupiter and talking of ben gunn why this is the mischief in person silver he cried silver i'll give you a piece of advice he continued as the cook drew near again don't you be in any great hurry after that treasure why sir i do my possible which that ain't said silver i can only asking your pardon save my life and the boys by seeking for that treasure and you may lay to that well silver replied the doctor if that is so i'll go one step further look out for squalls when you find it sir said silver as between man and man that's too much and too little 
what you're after why you left the blockhouse why you given me that there chart i don't know now do i and yet i done your biddin' with my eyes shut and never a word of hope but no this here's too much if you won't tell me what you mean plain out just say so and i'll leave the helm no said the doctor musingly i've no right to say more it's not my secret you see silver or i give you my word i'd tell it you but i'll go as far with you as i dare go and a step beyond for i'll have my wig sorted by the captain or i'm mistaken and first i'll give you a bit of hope silver if we both get alive out of this wolf trap i'll do my best to save you short of perjury silver's face was radiant you couldn't say more i'm sure sir not if you was my mother he cried well that's my first concession added the doctor my second is a piece of advice keep the boy close beside you and when you need help hallo i'm off to seek it for you and that itself will show you if i speak at random good-bye jim and dr livesey shook hands with me through the stockade nodded to silver and set off at a brisk pace into the wood end of chapter thirty